and welcome to another episode of Learning with Fell Vista Studios. I am super excited for this episode. We have got a special guest here, Nicole. And Hello. Is our am I not special? No. <laughs> Nicole inspires our team a lot. Kim catches up with her quite regularly and Nicole helps her be a better instructional designer, inspires her with her business and helps her be a better human. So that's really cool. And for me, Nicole's been incredible at teaching me about how to write as an instructional designer. And she also has an incredible Facebook group where it's a community of instructional designers, learning experience designers who get together, learn from each other. And the advice that Nicole shares in that group is incredible. I was looking at it a couple of weeks ago and you just have an answer to everything. I was like, Nicole is the knower of all things. She just knows everything about instructional design. So she definitely inspires me a lot in the instructional design writing space. Um, we've also got Kim here with Nicole. She's going to be doing this episode. She is our very own founder of Bell Vista Studios. And she is, of course, incredible. I love Kim so much. So having both of you here, you're both incredible human beings. And what we're going to do in this episode, this is going to add a lot of value to the listeners. And it's around phrases that instructional designers, learning experience designers, e-learning developers could say better to have more impact in the work that they do. So Nicole wrote a blog called Seven Phrases for IDs to Stop Saying in 2022. And just so useful, like just having it all in one place like that and advice like that is incredible because I'm often looking at YouTube videos and trying to find out scripts and how to say certain things. But the fact you just put it all into one blog is amazing. So just to give the listeners an example of what that would look like. So I'll just share one of Nicole's examples. So instead of saying, what do you think about trying, for example, the ADDI process or action mapping, rather than saying that, Nicole said that a more impactful way is to say, from my experience, it would be best if we tried ADDI or action mapping instead. So it just shows how your language can impact the way that you interact with clients and the way that they take what you're saying to them. So what we're going to do in this episode is I'm going to share a way that an instructional designer or learning experience designer could say something. And then Kim and Nicole are going to share a more impactful way that you could say it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. No pressure on us whatsoever. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. Yes, use this as a foundation to build your own scripts. <laughs> no, you're gonna, both going to be amazing. Like, it's going to be great. Okay, so I'm going to get started. I'm going to refer to stakeholder. And by stakeholder, it could be a subject matter expert that you have. It could be a reviewer. It could be your client contact. So when we say stakeholder, just think about who you would be interacting with in your role. Um, okay. Are you girls ready for the first phrase that you're going to rephrase? Yeah. Cool. So the first one is, hi, stakeholder. Here is the content for review. Thanks. You can go first, Nicole. How that you- one sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> um, it's nice, 
but they have no idea when the work is done. And I'm going to tell you that they'll put it last on their list of things to do. So I like to say, hi, stakeholder, here is this very specific thing for your review due by X date. And if I'm feeling generous, I'll say, if there's an issue with that, please let me know in advance. Oh, very, what do you yeah. think? We're very similar. Um, the only thing that I would say is we give a brief at the beginning on top of what you said, Nicole, and we just say kind of like, this is the journey so far, a bit of need to know context. Like as per the approved learning objectives, this has been developed just so they know we're following a process. And then we like have a little bold heading that says actions required by you. And we get very specific. So for example, focus on the content only, which includes spelling and grammar. Um, at this point, you're not looking at the interactions, for example, so very specific on what they're giving feedback on. Um, I don't say if there's an issue at the end. And the reason we don't do that is because we've already sent them an agreed schedule. Um, and what we do is we're trying not to open the opportunity for them to miss their deadline or them to see that there is an opportunity. So we have a plan if they miss it, like as in they haven't delivered it by 5 p.m. at 9 a.m., we have a plan to kick in then. But I try to not open the opportunity for those deadlines to be missed. I think that's so important, especially the first time you're contacting an SME, like somebody who's never done it before and has no idea what the workflow looks like, has ever worked on instructional design. If you don't give them some kind of very specific checklist, you can bet they're just going to be like, I think all the letter B should be bold and we should turn this button red, even though it was approved by Mary and HR. No. Yeah, good one. Just say as well, this is mostly communication via email. Hey, it's, yeah, yeah, frame that up. <laughs> all right, ready for the next one? Yeah. So this is what you might say. Sure, we can add that too. Or, no, we already have too much. We can't add that. How could you rephrase either of those? Do you want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, go on. I'll take the next one first. Sure. So the sure we can add that needs to come with a dot, 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 and it will open up the schedule by 12 days, or it will cost you an additional $125 per hour, or whatever the extra ad is. If you allow too many out of scope things, you're gonna find yourself um, doing all of the out of scope things. The other way that's a little softer, and I didn't say this in my blog, is that you could say, I'm, and I'm, I think Vanessa had something similar in her blog the other day. So I'm just, what we're all saying, but you know, I'm going to make this change in an effort to move things along, but any further changes will incur, you know, charges of X or will be out of scope. So they know that you're okay to make this one, but you know, you still have to keep your scope of work. The other one is the no, like we just can't do it. And I think you, you can miss some opportunities if you're always like, no, we just can't. So I would say again, it's, well, tell me about why you want to do that. And then let's look at the scope of work and see how we need to adjust it. If you really feel this is necessary to making a successful project or, you know, reaching the goals that we set out together. I love that one. So good. 
yeah because you're like where you're coming from there is being helpful you want to move forward you want to see what's possible so I really like that um I agree with that's how I would approach it same as what Nicola said um just for a different perspective um I feel like those ones are like if it's kind of not possible or you're going to have to change the schedule or change or charge for the work but if you go back a step before you have to have that particular part of the conversation um you can say help me understand how that will help us achieve the success statement or the learning objective so trying to hold the person accountable to see how what they're trying to put in there will make the solution better because as instructional designers potentially we've missed that and they have more insight that they haven't shared before so it might be important to put into a storyboard for example but it also holds everyone accountable to make sure that it's intentional it's having an impact towards learning objective which is your goal or um, success statement which is your overall project goal and then move into what Nicola said if it's outside of that couldn't agree more. I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot in that post is that you're an expert and you should position yourself that way. But being an expert, like, doesn't mean being a jerk and not listening to the people around you. You mm. need balance. And yeah, that's like, it's, I love that. And an accountability tip there is like, be curious. So go into every conversation, every phone call, just to be curious. And like the phrase that we're using at the moment in our team is like, how can we help this project to the best of our ability? Um, and what will it take to do that? So if that's our frame of mind going into a meeting, that looks like us as a team, the project, and then the learners and also the client. So it's all about being helpful. And especially if there's like a little bit of friction or like you're assuming that this is not gonna be a good interaction, even though there's love all around. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. That has been so helpful for me because often I am either like, I'm going to be, I don't want to shut them down, but I also don't want to accept things that are outside of scope or that don't make sense for the project. So I think having that mindset is so useful because it takes the pressure off. You just find out what the situation is and then you can go from there. That is so useful. I'm going to listen to awesome. this. So <laughs> but riffing off what you just said, Hannah, it's, I think it's also important to remember, you don't have to have the answer immediately. You can listen and say, let me hear what you're saying. And then I will get back to you. Like telling someone, for instance, that I'm going to charge you X dollars for a project. As soon as I hear their discovery, right, the 30 minutes we spend would be a really bad idea. I need some time to sit with what you've just told me. Um, so I don't think you need the perfect response immediately. <laughs> I love that. That takes off so much pressure as well. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, on to the next one. So this is what you could say. Since it's only a few small changes, we can do that for you. How would you rephrase that? I think that goes back to the earlier one. If I really could do it for them, I would say we can do these, but the next ones will incur X, you know, charges or there's a change order, um, just let them know there's a boundary. If you can't do it and you're just saying it to be nice, then you have to not be so nice. <laughs> I mean, you could be nice in your wording, but you have to say, I'm, you know, this is not within our scope of work, um, but if it's important to the project and it's going to help us, you know, complete our mission, our goal here, then let's add it and this is what it will take. 
I think, yeah, combine what Nicole said there to the answer before. And then the only thing I'd just add is give them the choice back on the, give them the decision. So how would you like to proceed? A, forget about this, not in those words, but, oh wait, we're supposed to be giving specific things. So <laughs> how would you like to proceed? A, would you like us to accommodate those changes with um, this schedule and this investment impact or shall we um, continue as per the original plan and leave these out? Really good. Love it. Yes, perfect. <laughs> okay, the next one, and this is such a good one because I am guilty of saying this. <laughs> um, you won't be able to achieve your deadline. No problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, there's so many reasons this one's fun um I would say it's not a no problem <laughs> it, or you know we, we have to look at the schedule I would I would say something like um if you look at our schedule in order to maintain the overall deadline of x we have to have this done within 24 hours if or whatever it is uh, if we can't do that you know we will make space for it this time but it will push the schedule out one day you know just basically let them know the consequence of their actions. Every once in a while, you can fit it in and make all of the big schedule work. Um, you just don't want to set a precedent for that, I think is the really important thing there. Yeah, I'd say it the same as Nicole, the only word I would change is put in, sorry, yeah, add in is approved schedule. Um, so they know, like you said, you could do this at the beginning of the project. And I think that's probably the context of value add that I can share to Nicole's response is that make sure the schedule is sent in advance and they have the opportunity to say this doesn't work and then it's an approved schedule, which is really helpful. There's so much and, value in not just saying, but showing. I, like I will show them the, the waterfall you know, schedule we have and I'll say, all right, we're gonna move this, watch what happens. <laughs> like everything falls off the rails, you know? Yeah. One of um, the lines that we have in our, when we hand over that schedule is that we, like all the dates and everything. And then at the end it says, um, missed deadlines may impact the overall schedule by up to two weeks. So when it comes to a point where you have to communicate what Nicole said, then we can say as per the approved schedule and as discussed previously, this may impact the overall schedule by up to two weeks. And then, yeah, like, uh, it's awesome. We haven't shown like that waterfall impact, but I think that showing would be really valuable. I do it. Um, I've found that doing it with new clients really helps. Like before we even start the project, I'll say, this is why we can't miss a deadline. And, um, you know, I'll show them everything like all, you know, I, I don't do all the specific dates, but I'll just show them like, here's a week, watch what happens. Like, oh, we've moved this now voiceover can't can't do this till next week. Now video can't do this till next week. Oh, there goes your team for putting it in the system. Sorry. <laughs> like, so if, if this is going to be, I think the other part of it is finding out, is this a one-time miss, right? Like, is this someone's kid got sick? Someone has, unfortunately, the, right, we're still in the pandemic. Someone got COVID, someone just had a day, right? Or is this something that, you know, every other week they're like, oops, can't make this. And then you have to say, this was the schedule we put together. Is this still realistic or do we need to revisit that? And, you know, whatever comes with that, maybe that is, you know, maybe you have to pay more or maybe they lose priority in your schedule and they have to accept that. 
Um, but I, I do think there's a point at which you want to have a conversation as a project manager. Definitely. Nice work, girls. Okay, next one. If a stakeholder is away for the feedback meeting or review, just get them to send through their feedback when they get back. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't want multiple people feeding feedback to you at all. So um, I think what you could say is it is best for one person to field all of the feedback for a project. And the benefits of this is that you can see each other's comments and discuss and identify which person is not right or wrong or which person should need to like make the final decision on this or is there context that we need to seek to understand because we're not in a position to be able to make those decisions for you. So we recommend one person owning the feedback and sending it to us. If that person, I would leave it at that, but if they're like, no, this is like the approver person and they have to have a say, I'd say as per the approved schedule, these are the feedback milestones. Um, is it appropriate for them to give feedback at this next opportunity? I literally don't think I could add anything. That was the perfect response in my mind. The only other way I could see that going would just be, do they need to give, well, do they need to give feedback? Sometimes they like to just add people in. Oh, the CEO wants to see it too. Well, that's fine. But if Bob can't make the schedule and he's not essential or Jamie, Jenny, whatever his, her, their name is, you know, do they need to is sometimes yeah. what I'll ask. Love that. Actually, one thing we've started adding recently to that schedule email is like, here's the, the milestone, the dates. And then it's like, this is the task that will be required. So you're giving feedback on these kinds of things. These are the people we recommend you book in advance for this milestone. So we're already getting them thinking about, yes, this is a subject matter expert feedback round. This is project working group feedback. Um, this is whoever could say no at this point of the project should be giving feedback here so that they can go, oh yeah, it's CEO's time or the CEO just wants to have a nice little like look at it and we feel obliged to share it. Totally. I think just laying out the process is 90% of the job with anything we say as instructional designers. So true. Yeah, and it's so useful for me as the person often like implementing feedback to storyboards there, it is so difficult when you've got like lots of different feedback and one person said one thing and then another person's contradicted it and you can figure it out, but it just takes so much time. And sometimes it means you are under so much more pressure. So I can totally see how doing that and setting expectations at the beginning can help us do our job well on, on our end. Mm. Cool. Okay, the next one. So this is around when people ask you what you do. So instead of saying, oh, I'm just an instructional designer, what would you say? It kind of depends on who's asking, but the generic one is, I just say, I make things learnable and then it goes from there. But you know, if somebody is coming to me for employee training, then I say something like, I'm the person who helps get your employees to do what they need to do. Um, if it's customer education, I might say I'm the person who engages the customer. 
through learning so that they want to stick with your brand. It can change a little bit, but you know, all the other stuff we do, I just explain after that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I like it. Um, so yeah, similar, making it adaptable. Basically, we solve business problems using a plan and we make that problem better. And then I might just say, if uh, I normally pause there, but if I know the stakeholder, I'll give an example specific. Otherwise I give them the opportunity to come back. Very cool, love that. I also love the human-centered design perspective you came from Nicole, like thinking about who's the person that I'm talking to, what would they want to hear and how do I help them specifically? And then explaining it in that way, that is so cool, love it. Um, okay, the next one. So this is what you could say. You're not happy with what we've done. No worries. Let's have a meeting to discuss next steps. There's like some okayness to it and some things you want to work on. Um, well, first of all, it matters what point in the process you're at. So if you're at like phase one, draft one, you might say, you might say that, right? Let's talk, let's have a meeting. Let's talk about what's not right. And then if you need to, again, it always comes down to the scope. If you need to adjust the scope after that because they want you to redo the entire thing um, because they gave you poor feedback at the beginning, which led you to design something that wasn't in line with what you were supposed to be doing. That's one thing. If it's like the very final version and all of a sudden they've decided they don't like anything you're doing, that's a very different conversation. And I would you know, just lay it out. I would say something like, um, you know, I, I would invite them for feedback. So I would say, uh, thanks for your feedback. I would like to understand a bit more about what you're experiencing. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about your needs and getting approval throughout to make sure that we were all aligned. And I want to make sure that you feel good about the outcome. Mm. During that meeting, I would spend some time listening. And a lot of times when people complain, they just want to be heard. Yeah. And then I would see if there's anything actionable that, you know, well, it's two things. One, is there something really wrong, right? Sometimes things, hopefully it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while, the wrong person looks at it or whatever. And um, so at that point, it's like, okay, well, how can we fix this? And then you do figure out the next steps. But if there's not is there something small and actionable you can do to make that person feel better? Or do you just need to say, I'm sorry, Sally, um, you know, everybody else approved this. It is almost done and the cost to change it would be X. So would you like to, you know, change it at this point or do you, can we move forward? I think Kim's answer from before applies here as well. Yeah, there's definitely like an amalgamation of previous things. Um, so seek to understand, I would say before that, just in a response to the email or the comment, I would say, um, it sounds very ambiguous to me. And can, like, you're not happy with the feedback. Like I don't, people can say, we wanna discuss the feedback, right? And sometimes like that's happened to us in the past and they wanna discuss the feedback and you're like, this is the best feedback I could have ever got. Like, all we have to do is put a capital M from manager throughout. Like, why, why does that need to be discussed? So seek to understand, be curious. So from that point, I would respond to that email and just say, what specifically, uh, what specific feedback do you have? 
um, and then get them basically to respond to that because I don't, I don't want it to be an open discussion. I want it to be tangible and actionable. So if I can get them to using that word specific makes something in people's brains get very like honed in on what it is and they get to solution mode and they get to tangible evidence of what that feedback looks like. So they might um, be able to provide you with dot points coming back. So then the next thing is if they do that, then you're better informed to deal with it before it gets to the meeting side of it that um, Nicole was sharing. If it is something where you're like, oh, like that's totally like we would expect that kind of feedback at this point in the project. Um, at this point, we have no questions, but we'll be in touch if we do. And our next steps are now we're going to start implementing your feedback. But if you have if they do send back their specifics, which they will, because they're going to they might be pushing Oh no, you like we want a meeting now. Um, you, you said we could have a meeting, let's have a meeting. And you're like, oh no, it's not a good use of time. So you wanna push back and get those specifics so that you're able to be informed to prepare because maybe you need the development file open. Maybe you need a developer sitting there because you can't communicate something back. So a bit of language there is um, help me understand the specific feedback. This will enable me to allocate the appropriate resources to respond and support you to the best of our ability and for the best of the project. And then it would play out for me with what Nicole said. So maybe we should have answered in reverse. Cut this. <laughs> That's so good. Love it. Okay, this is the last one. Okay. So a lot of pressure is on both of you to do <laughs> provided an excellent answer. What have we been doing so far? <laughs> it's been amazing, but this is like the finale. It's okay. Um, so instead of saying, I'll do whatever you want, you're in charge, what would you say? I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I mean, just don't say that. Just start there. Just get rid of it. Um, <laughs> your client hired you to provide your expertise, right? They either needed more hands on deck and someone who knew their stuff, or they're just totally lacking that expertise in its entirety in their organization and either hired you to be a staff member or hired you as an outsourced consultant. So I think really what you want to say is thank you for the opportunity um, and then start talking, right? Like help me understand how it is I can best help you and serve the needs of your project. Um, you can say, you know, I've got all of this great experience in learning and I'm looking to you for your expertise in content and together we can make some really amazing magic happen. Please don't tell them you're there in charge. <laughs> yeah, and you can, I think on that, it's like, if you do go for the you're in charge kind of thing approach, just say anything is possible with time and money. Mm. So that pushes it back on them. Um, and then I guess if it's like, yeah, can you repeat it again, Hannah, please? Um, I'll do whatever you want. You're in charge. Yeah, this is why like approval of milestones is really important because then you can say at this phase of the project, we've already, this is the process that we've taken to get to where we are. Um, and you've been part of that process. So my understanding is that everything is aligned to what we initially discussed and has had checkpoints throughout with opportunity for you to provide feedback. 
Um, it sounds like this is deviating from what we've agreed on and what we've been working towards so far. That is possible. However, it's not aligned to the agreed scope. So therefore it would require a different schedule or an adjustment to the schedule, as well as a look at the investment that it will take to do that. How would you like to proceed, continue as planned, or look at how we can make this happen by revising the schedule and the investment? Mm. I love that. I'm seeing like a pattern play out that's definitely helping me when I think about. Tell us more. <laughs> You're on the hot seat now. <laughs> What you said earlier, Nicole, really resonated around like you don't have to have all the answers. So I'm sort of seeing like if a client or a stakeholder comes to you and suggests doing something differently, it's like step one, ask them questions to help them understand whether it actually needs to happen, like why it's happening. Does it help you meet the success statement? Does it help us achieve our goal? So it's sort of like getting them to think about what they're suggesting and then if they do want it to happen, it's not just saying whether you agree or not. It's like, okay, if that is going to happen, these are the options. It's either like you can pay extra or the schedule is going to be impacted. And I like that because it doesn't make it personal. It's just like, does it help us meet the goal? And then if it does, like, what are the options that we have? And the options are fair. Like you're not working overtime and you're getting paid for what you should be. And they're getting the, the contract as they wanted it in the first place. And I can also see, so that's incredible. And then I can also see the value of the schedule and getting them to agree on that at the beginning and helping them understand what's expected because then it's like they're on the journey with you. You're not telling them what to do. You both agreed on that. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. That's <laughs> really sense. cool. I love that point, like you're holding them accountable. It was a good um, mm. insight that you picked up from the thread of responses. And I'd say that's only possible if we, as the person doing the work is very clear on our process. So people need to spend time to figure out all of the steps in a project. What are all the things that could possibly go wrong? And how might I put things in place now so that they don't go wrong? Or if they do go wrong, there's less impact or I can deal with it. So um, like, yeah, I think, spend the time it doesn't take that long if you spent half a day max you would honestly figure that all out and write down okay so i need a schedule because that will deal with delayed feedback um like people wanting to come in and change dates like it solves so many problems so how would i get the schedule to them will i do that early on it should probably be the first thing that i do so i recommend sitting down get your processes right and figure out all the things that might go wrong, try and put some things in there to fix and make sure that that doesn't happen. Things will go wrong as you start working with stakeholders, make sure you prioritize when that happens to make improvements to your processes. And after a while, then it becomes very comfortable to, it's not a pushback, but it's like trusting your process. And you can be like, well, hold on, this shouldn't be happening because we've done X, Y, Z already and you have evidence and you have a justified plan or process that you've followed that you can take your stakeholder through and show you've been involved the whole way. How is this happening right now? And I think you'll be in a better position for that not to happen because you're so following your process. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's almost like having a process. I think we've spoken about this before, but it's having boundaries. And if you're not clear on your process, people can take your time and like there's just no boundaries. And how are you able to say that you can't do something or that you don't want to work to midnight to finish something if you don't actually know yourself what your process is? So I think it sort of like sets up boundaries for yourself as well so you can enjoy what you do and do your best work also about being a good partner you know so I don't I don't maybe because I'm coming to it from like an external outsource perspective and I know you are too but I always see myself as a collaborator not as this solo person so you know I want to be a good partner as much as I want them to be a good partner to me and you're exactly right you know Hannah and Kim if, if you don't set expectations they can't meet them you can't set boundaries they can't respect those boundaries so a lot of it does start with being very clear up front and it's part of the reason they hire you because if they had processes for all of these things um they would probably be getting them done themselves you know well for the freelance life at least that's true sometimes internally it's, you know, that's a little less true. Um, but I, I do think it's part of the deal, right? I don't want to be somebody you hire to order a course on demand. I would like to be the person you hire to provide expertise in learning project management, learning project solution, uh, learning solutions, uh, and someone who can kind of guide you through what the best design will be. Mm. Yeah, totally agreed. All right, so is another question for both of you. Are there, <laughs> are there any other phrases, like just to give you like open space to share if there's anything else that you would like, other value you would like to give? Yeah, are there any phrases that you have said in the past where you've changed it? Like it's been, it's added value to you to adjust the way that you've said something? I'll say um, a lesson I already knew, sorry, the baby is crying and you hear it, but a lesson I already like had implanted in my brain and found myself not, not really uh, owning and then having to like confront again recently as a co-founder with a bunch of people in their forties um, through sixties who are much wealthier than I am and, you know, have a much longer resume than I am, but I would constantly kind of put a cap on what I thought could be done. So we're working with a web development team and I would say, oh, well, we can do this as phase two. And the now acting COO said, why are we gonna tell them what to throw off of this? Like tell them everything you want and let them say we can't do it. And so um, I think that's a really good lesson for all of us to keep in mind. Give me that big sky solution. Tell me what you wanna see and then let the client say we don't have money or time or like maybe we can incorporate you know the style but we can't do a virtual reality simulation or whatever it is you know so give them the option like Kim has been saying and then you 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 know you have a lot more space to be creative and to play and a lot less pressure I think to figure out the external expert like in this case I was trying to do the web developer's job and say well this is what I think it would imaginarily cost based on no research whatsoever. That, that is so good. Yeah. I feel like that's been quite beneficial. Actually, we had a post yesterday or something around training is not always the answer. And with our human-centered design process and approach to instructional design, it means that 
it's not always just e-learning that comes out the end, right? So what we've been doing now is it, we get all these insights and it's like, how do you solve all these problems? And there's multiple ways. So there's posters, there's coaching, there's train the trainer, there's e-learning, there's tip sheets, blah, 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 podcast, whatever. And what that turns into is basically a shopping list. It says, these are all the things that in blue sky, like you said, would potentially solve no we've identified it is our recommendations that these are the best things to solve that from all different avenues and at all different points in the employee life cycle for example um which do you want and then it does allow them to go well we love these things not possible now because we have a legislative thing that we need to meet by like tomorrow so we're just going to do this but let's talk about that for phase two and like you said yeah Give them the ownership, the decision, and then it opens up for better learning experiences and better collaboration and partnerships, like you said. Yeah, and sometimes they surprise you and they go, oh, we really want that. Let's make this a bigger proposal than we started yeah. with, Yeah, which is a great opportunity. The other thing I've stopped doing, so this is a total shift of language, I do not call my services curriculum design or curriculum. I don't give them a curriculum map. That's what I used to call it. I had started calling it solution design and a solution map, because I might tell you there's a bug in your system. So it doesn't matter if I train everybody, you have to fix the bug. <laughs> like, yes. you know, so that is a solution that is not training. I mean, that's a little bit more, I think, borrowing from performance consulting, or I, in your case, it would be human-centered design and not just, you know, like you said, e-learning or mm. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. I have a phrase that's coming up. And it's like, I see it all the time. I'm an aspiring instructional designer. And like, when I think about stakeholders, so you got the individual instru aspiring instructional designer, your stakeholder is a recruiter or someone that you're looking to get a job with or a dream cl client or a customer. And don't say you're aspiring. You either are or you aren't. And what that looks like is we're all aspiring to be better. I would say I'm always every day aspiring to be an instructional designer that's better than I was yesterday, but I'm still an instructional designer. So if you're in the field, if you're doing the work, you're an instructional designer. So I'd encourage everyone to remove that language from your title and blah, 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 but also from your mind, because it's almost like this goal that you're never gonna achieve because you have to continuously learn and develop and improve yourself as a practitioner. So you're always going to be aspiring to be better. So just be an instructional designer. I like that. Also, it makes me think like if I saw aspiring instructional designer on your LinkedIn and I'm looking as a hiring manager, I'd be like, oh, this would make a great intern. I wouldn't be like, this is my partner in learning. Yeah. And also for me as well, yeah, it's like, have you, so you've never done anything before? Like, but you might, and you might be the best learner that's watched all of our collective videos and all the other amazing people that share so much knowledge in our industry. So you could be better because you're basically a combined beautiful human that is actioning everything that you've learned and better than all of us and you're saying aspiring. 100% agree, yeah, let's remove it. <laughs> And whoever our baby is <laughs> that we've all created, I want to know you. Great advice, gals. Anything else come up that you would like to share? You've added a lot of value so far. Thanks. Not from me. I feel like if people take action on this, 
I would be very proud of them <laughs> and they should be proud of themselves. I think it's just getting out of, uh, well, there's right. I think all the things you recapped. And then I, as far as, you know, how we talk to each other, I like the idea of not using aspiring. And I just like the idea of not gatekeeping so much anymore. Um, mm. It's really easy to fall into that trap and to say, you know, teachers aren't instructional designers or uh, whatever kind of nonsense is floating around in our instructional design social rhetoric these days. There's there's a few SAT words for you. But it's just like, you know, let people be um, in my mind and just kind of assume they're adults who can make their own decisions and support them in the best way you know how. And I think the right people, right? Because that's ultimately the goal of like rephrasing all of this stuff. The right people will then want to work with you because you want to work with the clients who are excited to see that you're supporting someone else. You want to work with the client who's excited to see that you come with a lot of knowledge and expertise. You want to work with the client who is happy to follow your process and give their best efforts to make things happen. You don't want to work with the client who's like, oh, my last three instructional designers sucked and I'm looking for somebody to replace them, right? Because they probably are going to find fault in whatever you do and maybe you're coming from a not so great space. Um, so I think, you know, changing the language isn't, is in one part about changing the language and getting what you want, is in one part about the mindset shift, but then it's also just attracting the right tribe to help you grow. Love that. So good. All right. Well, thank you both of you for taking the time to do this episode. I think it will add so much value. I will be listening to it on repeat when I'm driving. <laughs> Get everything you've been saying into my brain because I can just see how it will make my life as an instructional designer so much easier. So thank you so much for so openly sharing your advice. And thank you, Nicole, for being our special guest and coming on the show. We really, really appreciate you. And it's amazing to have you on the show again. So thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me. I love hanging out with the Mel Vista crew. <laughs> for the audience, I just wanted to leave. Well, actually, Kim would like to leave you with some homework because she wanted me to say this. Oh, I don't remember this, but okay. But the audience, I would like you to think about what phrases you're currently saying that you think you could improve. So have a think about, is there anything that you're saying that is not getting you the response that you would like? or is not enabling you to be the best instructional designer that you can be and share your expertise and be confident with your stakeholders. Have a think about what you've been saying and right now or set some time in the future to rephrase that and practice saying it that new way because as we've been speaking about, it can make such a big difference on the way that your project goes, how much your stakeholder respects you um, and the success of your project. So give it a go. Yeah. I'll also recommend that you check out Nicole's blog because it's epic, um, super actionable, practical. So we're going to put that in the description below. Um, is there anything else either of you would like to add before we finish up today? Well, the homework you've just given, I think people should put it in the comments so we can all learn from each other. Because I feel even now, like listening to Nicole, listening to your reflection, Hannah, and me even saying some of the things out loud is reinforcing me putting it into action because I know these things happen all the time. So I would encourage people to share in the comments so we can learn and it'll also embed their learning better. And also don't feel bad if like, you know, you don't achieve perfection on day one. I slip up every now and then and let something that was out of scope just slide because I like my client or they've been with me for X years. Like it happens, have grace with yourself, but do 
you know, know that if you can stick to your, to your, uh, objectives, you're going to have better outcomes for yourself. Yeah. Great. Thank you everyone for tuning in. What's up awesome human. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, But we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.